0: From legendary locals, we all know, to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, in this episode, we hear from three state MPs. How the role has changed under COVID, achievements, wish lists and an emerging hydrogen industry for Ipswich. It's a longer form chat So if you live in the state electorates of Ipswich, Bundamba or Jordan, grab a cuppa and keep listening. It's Saturday, November 27, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting, Trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. In a first for Ipswich today, we bring together three local members who represent major population centres like Springfield, Ripley Valley, Ipswich Central, and the eastern suburbs. And as the year draws quickly to a close, we catch up on the year that was and what might be on the horizon in 2022. And joining me today, Jennifer Howard, member for Ipswich. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Hey, Alan.
0: Sharice Mullen, member for Jordan. Welcome, Sharice. Hi, Alan.
1: Lovely to be with you.
0: And making up the trifecta is Lance McCallum, member for Bundamba. Welcome, Lance.
1: Thanks, Alan. And hello to
2: all your listeners. Where
0: should we begin? Well, I think it's pretty easy. It must be COVID and vaccinations. If I can start with you, Jennifer Howard, how much has the role of a local MP changed since COVID?
3: Yeah, it has changed quite a lot, um, particularly, you know, I was reflecting, it seems like 10 years ago, but it was really just early last year when, um, you know, the pandemic first uh, really sort of affected us here locally. And, you know, I was just thinking of all the phone calls, all the Zoom uh, meetings that we had, and it was really it was really quite an anxious time. Uh, connecting with people in the community, you know, filled me with optimism and confidence though, because people really... A lot of people did take it in their stride. Obviously, we had a lot of small businesses, um, you know, trying to figure out all the new... We, we've had so many new restrictions and new rules every day and people have um, really, really, uh, really stepped up and done an incredible job.
0: I think the majority of people do want to do the right thing. Lance McCallum, how has it been for you?
2: Uh, look, Alan... Um there's no doubt that uh, throughout the course of this pandemic, uh, there's been some huge changes uh, that we've um, we've all uh, gone through uh, professionally, person personally, individually, uh, and collectively. Uh, as uh, Jen just mentioned, uh, one of the the most um, uh, major and obvious changes is uh, that we've learned to do things um, online or remotely. And, um, we've done a lot of teams meetings uh, or, or Zoom uh, meetings. Um, that's that's for sure. A lot of lot of teleconferences. Um, uh, in terms of the role uh, of uh, NMP, I think that um, apart from um, assisting uh, people uh, through those changes, um, whether it is. Uh, in terms of our local community, or people with particular needs, uh, whether that's business owners, uh, business owners, uh, whether that's people with uh, uh, kids at school, uh, right through uh, to uh, helping the vulnerable uh, in our community, people that might have been affected uh, by uh, increased anxiety, mental stress, uh, stress. We saw an increase. Um, in uh, domestic violence rates as well. So trying to uh, get the right and assistance uh, to people uh, when and where uh, they need it uh, has been um, a, a real focus uh, of, of our roles, I feel, um, and uh, information dissemination throughout the course uh, of the pandemic.
0: Well, we'll head over Springfield Way. Cherise Mullen, have you had similar mm-hmm.
2: experiences?
1: I think so, and I think Jennifer's right. I mean, the last two years have been really enormous and continuing change for people, and so particularly with new rules being introduced and needing to be interpreted. So I think the role of an MP has always been part psychologist, part social worker, and I think that's really (laughs) ramped up. Uh, But I think we're now also, you know, like semi-lawyer because we're trying to interpret ourselves these, you know, new public health directions as well. Um, Because people do want to know what they do. They want to do the right thing but they also want clarity and they want it quickly. And I think that's the other issue. So I know particularly in times when we've had lockdowns, um, I I spend a lot of my time either speaking to people or responding to emails or addressing Facebook comments and just interpreting the public health direction and and just providing that advice to people.
0: And taking up a a lot of those hours out of every 24. And I've seen all three of you uh, out there all the time promoting vaccines and the clinics. So that brings additional pressures on all members And we've got those new vaccine rules coming in on December 17, a a date has been set. Now, on the surface, the rule seems to have done its job with an increase in vaccination rates. What feedback have you been getting from residents and businesses? And we'll start with you, Lance.
2: Uh, Thanks, Alan. Uh, First of all, um, let me thank uh, all of your listeners uh, that have come out uh, to be uh, vaccinated uh, to date. Um, We've uh, had a real uptick, as you uh, mentioned, um, in our local vaccination rates uh, here in Ipswich, uh, which is absolutely uh, brilliant to see. Um, We've done such a magnificent job uh, together throughout the course of this uh, pandemic uh, by looking out for each other um, and uh, by following uh, the health health advice. So, as we open up um, uh, towards the 17th of December, uh, taking the step to get vaccinated um, to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your local community um, is, frankly, uh, heroic uh, in my view. So um, thank you very much to everybody that has done that, because it is um, our way, our safe path um, out of this pandemic um, and the continuation of the great work that we've done. Uh, the feedback that I've had um, has been uh, really, really positive uh, today. Um, I mean, the figures speak for themselves in terms of um, where uh, we're in the mid-80 first dose, um, where our second dose uh, is increasing, a vast majority of Queenslanders and a vast majority of Australians uh, have come out uh, to be vaccinated. Uh, Just this morning, I caught up uh, with a a craft group uh, based out of uh, Red Bank Plaza shopping centre uh, that has worked together to create a three metre tall uh, Christmas tree that consists of hundreds of uh, individually uh, crocheted squares. Um, when that project started, most of uh, those people were were strangers; they they weren't known to each other. But um, now uh, they're they're friends who catch up for a coffee and take time to go shopping together, um, and you know support our local businesses. Now, none of that would have been possible without um, our rising vaccination rates and the good work of our uh, local community. And the feedback that I got this morning was about how good it is to be able to have a festive season surrounded by friends and family.
0: a few months ago, looking at the vaccination rates, it was hard to foresee that we'd be in the 80s at this time of the year. It's fantastic that it is. Cherise Mullen, what's the vibe in your area?
1: yeah, and I think you're right, Alan. and I think the rules are working. And certainly in my electorate, we've seen an eight percent increase in two weeks in terms of vaccination rates. Wow. So that's that so it's definitely working. And I think the majority of my residents, are now either vaccinated or getting vaccinated. So the new rules really for them and the feedback I'm getting is just it's a peace of mind, peace of mind that they will be able to go to crowded premises and feel that they're better protected. So I think that's the general feeling that I'm getting. There are some people who are and remain uh, vaccine hesitant, and I'm trying to help them through that as much as I can. Importantly, some of our local businesses, I think, are understandably concerned about the new rules and how they will be applied to them. Um, so, again, it's just about working closely with people and making sure they have all the support they need as we reach that magic date of the
3: 17th of December.
0: And what about in our older suburbs, Jennifer Howard? How are things travelling there?
3: Yeah, thanks, Alan. It's... Um You know this is this is the big one really isn't it you know here in queensland we've managed to stay you know fairly safe from COVID. we haven't seen a lot of it here at all um but on december 17 we know that that's going to change and uh, vaccination is is the only way to protect all of our amazing frontline health workers and all of our amazing small businesses um so the feedback i'm getting is yeah generally very positive as as charise and lance have both said it's I think over the last two years people have developed a trust in our chief health officer and in the advice and that trust is is holding us in good stead you know for this next big change and it's incredibly important that that people do abide by them and there is going to be some confusion you know it's coming close to christmas everyone's always a little bit frayed by this time of year even in the best of circumstances so i just want to encourage people to really you know, take a breath. Uh, if when they're out, you know, going to places where there are, you know, where vaccines have to be checked and and that, that processes have to be, you know, gone through. And also, you know, keep in mind that in many of these hospitality places, a lot of the workers, it's it's sometimes it's people's first jobs. You know, in those places, mm. and you know, keep in mind that they, it's you know, the rules are, are in place because of. Um, because of our, our, it's the health advice and our government has put those rules in place and that, you know, the people behind the counter aren't responsible for that. They're just doing their job. So, you know, I I think the check-in app, you know, I've added my um, vaccine certificate to my check-in app. It's incredibly easy process, even for someone like me. Um, Well done. (laughs) And it's, it's, you know, it's going to make life a lot easier for, for everybody out there um, once you can do that. And a lot of older people, very concerned, you know, that they don't have the technology and they're probably very happy without it. But they, you know, I need them to know that they can get, uh, uh, they can apply and get a, a piece of paper with their vaccine um, certificate on it. And we're happy to help them with that anytime.
0: Good good point about the Check in Queensland app, because yes, I, I added the green tick to the, yep, uh, to well the front done. screen and it literally it was less than 60 seconds yeah, uh, yeah. if you're already pre-registered on mygov etc now good point mm-hmm. it's also mm-hmm. been a big year in parliament one of the major pieces of legislation was voluntary assisted dying which passed with a uh, conscience vote and the debate was filled with very powerful arguments for and against how did each of you vote and can you please share your reasons why you voted the way you did firstly if I can come to you Cherise
1: um, yeah, sure. So, so Alan, honestly, I, I actually came to this debate with a really open mind, and I hadn't actually made up my mind uh, in advance. And I met with those who supported VAD and those who didn't, and I really thought deeply on the laws. I questioned some elements uh, in the commission's report, um, but ultimately, I found confidence in the laws that we were passing. Um, I don't believe we should allow enduring and terrible pain and suffering and whilst um, I want us to do our very best in providing quality palliative care um, to people, this isn't always a comfort for some and so we need to give them a choice to leave this life uh, on their terms. So I did support the legislation.
0: Very emotional issue. Lance McCallum, what about you?
2: Uh, Alan, uh, I I supported uh, this legislation. Um, I was always uh, very clear um, in public that uh, like a uh, majority of our local community um, and indeed Queenslanders uh, more broadly, um, I supported uh, this very important uh, piece of legislation. Um, I think it's really important to point out that uh, the laws um, is not about uh, uh, not life and death, it's a choice for those who are uh, dying in terrible suffering and wish to have more control uh, over the time and circumstance uh, of their death. And uh, should the best palliative care uh, not be enough, um, for me, it should not be illegal for those who are faced with the reality of debilitating and painful terminal illness um, to choose to maintain their dignity uh, at the end of life. So for me, uh, these laws were all about choice um, and giving people autonomy to make their own decisions uh, at the end of life. And most importantly, um, they're about compassion in the face of uh, of terrible uh, suffering, so I was really, really proud to uh, to support these laws.
0: Jennifer Howard, how did you vote, yeah. and why?
3: I did vote for the legislation. Um, I was very cognizant, though. You know, we knew it was coming. There was a really, uh, a really in depth and uh, sort of long ranging inquiry uh, done by our amazing parliamentary health committee. Um, right across Queensland, I read everything. I read the submissions. Um, I, and like Sharice, I met with people who were opposed to it. I, I I wanted to hear their views and I, to this day, respect those views. Um, you know, after all, death is something that is, I think it's an incredibly serious issue. Uh, I'm sure everyone does. And I didn't take it lightly for a moment. But at the end of the day, we're members of parliament and we're elected to represent what's best for the community and weighing up everything that i saw and read there was really no doubt in my mind that i needed to support this legislation you know all of us know someone who's died from a terminal illness or have seen somebody or know somebody who's gone through it and um you know i, I really think in queensland we have good palliative care um and with this legislation came a significant uh, addition to the funding for palliative care, which uh, also made me very happy. Uh, I know that their palliative care is is incredibly important and really voluntary assisted dying is just another option in a long line of excellent options for palliative care.
0: I'll go to my next question now, hopefully lighten the subject matter a little. It's a bit of a free kick for you guys. What about one other parliamentary highlight for the year? Lance McCallum.
2: As you say, um, there's, it's a free kick and um, there's, a, there's a lot of things to, to kick because there's so much. Uh, but... Uh, for me, um, it would be uh, our record uh, budget, uh, which has uh, been a record budget uh, for Ipswich, um, with um, 100, uh, sorry, 954 million, so almost a billion dollars um, in infrastructure alone, uh, which is going to support um, almost uh, 3,000 local jobs um, in my local community um, uh, of Bundamba. What that means is new schools in Bellbird Park, Collingwood Park. Uh, to support our uh, rapidly growing population and um, our existing schools uh, are benefiting from almost $40 million um, in upgrades and investment. Uh, so that's uh, Bellbird Park, Goodna, Red Bank Plains, Red Bank and Ripley Valley. Um, we've also got a $38 million upgrade uh, to... Uh, uh, Bundamba train station, uh, which is uh, the first major upgrade uh, that that train station has uh, ever had. So um, I'm really, really proud to see that. Um, That'll uh, be a full disability um, uh, upgrade. Uh, For those that uh, know uh, Bundamba station, uh, they'll know that it's on a sloping block uh, there. So um, getting lifts uh, in so that uh, uh, it's uh, wheelchair accessible uh, will be, uh, or easier, uh, will be uh, really great.
0: Well, it's interesting you should mention those schools because we automatically kind of think that the Springfield area and Ripley Valley is where the growth is happening, but it is happening all across Ipswich. And talking of growth, the growth area still powering on, Sharice Mullen, what about a highlight for you?
1: Well, I think as the Assistant Minister for Treasury, I, I also would have to say the state budget was a highlight for me, um, but being at the back end, also seeing how much work goes into uh, preparing a state budget, is it's really quite uh, incredible. And again, I mean, I think we focused on what really matters to our communities. So whether it's in healthcare, um, things like announcing our you know public hospital in Greater Springfield and our satellite hospital in Ripley. I mean, I think that's going to be really important, whether it's in education and certainly um, at the local level here, we announced a you know a brand new school uh, near Augustine Heights. We announced a new school for Bellbird Park, and we announced a, a brand new um, secondary school in the Greater Springfield area as well, uh, which is now going to be a senior campus of Springfield Central State High School, which is really exciting as well. Um, and of course, you know our renewables, our infrastructure, and of course the critical one, which is our jobs, just creating jobs three point three four billion dollars through our Jobs Fund, which I think will be. Um, important and we're already starting to see some of the results of those. Almost $2 billion we're going to see invested in social and affordable housing. We know that's really important because housing is becoming um, really difficult for, to, to to achieve for many people, whether they're purchasing a home or even renting. Uh, we know that that's becoming a real challenge as we have all of these people from New South Wales and Victoria trying to move up to our wonderful Sunshine State and why wouldn't they want to come here given how well we handled COVID 19 and what opportunities there are for our region we're
0: hearing in the news every day about uh, the price of housing so you make a good point there jennifer howard i think i know what you're going to include could be the east ipswich station (laughs)
3: Well, That was a highlight, but in many ways, um, you know, the budget was fantastic and I'm so proud. I know that, you know, people probably think politicians have to say this, but Ipswich is really faring well um, under a Labour government, which is really one of the reasons that motivated me to run because we... uh, uh, you know the three years of Campbell Newman's premiership you know I know it was you know some time ago now from 2012 to 2015 but I saw so many things get stripped away from this community and hearing just hearing Lance and Julie's talking about you know the, the budget highlights for them and of course yeah for me we've got new ships train station we've got a new police station being built a new ambulance station being built in Ripley, um, but in fifteen years, the population of Ipswich is going to be uh, estimated to be around six hundred thousand people. So, you know, almost hard to spending. get your head around that. But I, I sort of, think, uh, when I thought about a parliamentary highlighter, <laughs> I was thinking about um, the small business commissioner. Actually, she, we introduced uh, a small business commissioner as part of our COVID changes last year, and um, the, we recently announced that uh, we were going to make that small business commissioner role a permanent role. And I think that's Really exciting uh, because I know Marie Adhead is the Small Business Commissioner. She's done a mighty job, uh, you know, helping small businesses navigate all of the legal and, uh, you know, uh, all of the things around uh, COVID in particular uh, with rent, but also just last week, I don't know if which people will know this, um some of our small businesses uh, had to call on the small business commissioner uh, because they were uh, they arrived to open their businesses uh, and the locks had been changed and there were signs all over the building saying that the, that the building was being repossessed and you know, I, I was down in Parliament last week, but I immediately called the Minister for Small Business who immediately called the Small Business Commissioner. So by 7am, you know, we had the Small Business Commissioner on the phone to these businesses, helping them navigate and by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they are back in their, in their um, businesses. So I think it could have been, you know, a different story before um, Marie took on that role. And that's the kind of thing that makes a tangible difference. And it's one of the things that our government has done really well. They listen.
0: Coming back to each electorate, it's not all rosy and not all beer and Skittles. There's, there, there are issues that crop up from time to time. What, what's currently the biggest issue uh, facing each of you? Jennifer, I can continue with you.
3: Oh, thank you. Um, well, uh, you know, obviously the growth out here is, is you know, it's, it's a positive, um, but it also has many challenges along the way. Um, and I believe that it, it's sort of, it's hard to get a clear look at it because of COVID in many ways. Um, unemployment has stayed, has actually dropped <laughs> slightly. So we are doing quite well in that regard. But we do, we are always that little bit higher than the state average here. We also have in Ipswich, you know, a lot of the waste industry in our area. Um So, you know, we need to Take advantage of the opportunities around recycling and, and the recovery of waste that are that are on the table and are available to us, and we need to make sure we get that right. Um, I want to get. 90% of our population vaccinated. That's incredibly important to me. Um, we want to protect our frontline health workers, and we want to protect vulnerable people in our community, and that that is a key. And I, I do I don't think COVID is you know we're not out of the woods yet. So we'll, that will be a challenge for us here locally as well. We also have. Uh, the mental health uh, unit that's uh, going to be completed by the end of next year. Uh, Every local member wants to see a crane on their skyline, and I love seeing our crane every day. And I'll just quickly tell a little anecdote. Um, uh, Our our government, along with uh, WAPAC, who are doing the uh, work on the construction, uh, had a competition with our local school kids to uh draw a picture of a crane and also to come up with a name. And there was a, a wonderful young uh, boy from Matapilli Primary School who was the winner out of over 100 entries. And he did the most wonderful job. And we now that beautiful crane on our skyline has a name, and it's called Sir Fix a Lot. So if you're driving around and you're looking fix-a-lot. at the crane, it now has a name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thank you for that. Well, I'll, I'll, I won't be able to forget that now, Sir Fix a Lot. No. Uh, mm-hmm. Charisse Mullin, what's the burning issue for you in Jordan?
1: Uh, so I think for me, again, growth is the big one. And, and whilst, you know, obviously Greater Springfield, we're anticipating 120,000 people to move into that area. I also represent parts of Logan, which are anticipating another 120,000 uh, down that end. So it's actually uh, very much a growth electorate. And so how we continue to manage those growth pressures, but I guess for me, how we get ahead of them and how we look to the future, I think you can sometimes get very caught up in the here and now, but it's uh, for me, and it's certainly, it was part of my election campaign was looking beyond that, looking at where do we need to be, not where are we right now. So that's been really important. Um, I think everyone focuses on the infrastructure and I think that's really important, but I think that one of the challenges, particularly for growing areas, which are newer, um, is social and community services. So, you know, we don't have um, a lot of those services right here. A lot of them are based in Ipswich and they do outreach into our areas. So I do find that quite challenging. I created a a group when I got elected called Greater Springfield Regional Connect, which is about connecting all those services together, our schools, our charities, our government services, so that we could actually look at it all together um, and make sure that we were all working in unison in terms of what services could be provided. And I'm really proud of that group and we've done some fantastic work already. Uh, but the issues that I know are still prevalent in our community and we because we just don't always have those safety nets and so things like domestic and family violence. Youth disengagement can be a really um, big issue. Mental health, I think um, Jen is right. That is a really big issue for us. And of course, finding housing for people. So I think for me, getting those community services um, funded and and up and going into some of our growing areas, I think is actually one of the most critical things we can do to make sure that our communities thrive uh, in places like Ipswich.
0: Lance McCallum, Bundambra is an electorate with well-established areas and new developments, as you highlighted earlier. What's the biggest issue for you?
2: Uh, look, first and foremost, uh, the immediate uh, the priority, uh, Alan, is uh, to be safe um, as we open up. Um, so that everyone, you know, please, uh, if you're listening and you can be vaccinated and you haven't been yet, uh, please can. Uh, consider doing so. If you've got any hesitations, any questions, uh, please uh, contact uh, myself, uh, Jen uh, or Cherise. I'm sure any of us would be uh, willing to help. Definitely uh, growth. Um, I'll, I'll complete the, the trifecta on that. Whether it's um, from uh, out the back of Red Bank Plains uh, through to uh, the Ripley Valley, there is just and an beyond um, either side, there's an incredible amount of growth there's uh, I have to say a little bit uh, disappointing uh, that uh, the federal government wasn't able to contribute a um, million dollars to the next stage uh, of a study for uh, the, uh, the Springfield's Ipswich rail loop um, when the state government had uh, put up a million dollars in funding and the local council Ipswich City Council had put up uh, half a million so um, it's those kinds of things That uh, that can uh, be a challenge. Making sure that that growth is uh, sustainable. Jen has mentioned uh, the um, uh, the waste industry. You know, companies that aren't doing the right thing, both the environment uh, and our community, uh, need to be uh, brought brought to heel. And so, I'm really glad that we've been able to um, increase uh, penalties and and tighten up uh, environmental uh, restrictions um, on the ones that aren't uh, doing the right thing. Uh, So, finally. probably uh, a priority issue uh, which is really an opportunity, um, it's a very positive one, uh, is uh, the Olympics in 2032 are going course, to be yes. uh, here. Mm. In, you know, before, before we know. It. So we really need to plan uh, now um, and we really we really need to put our best foot forward. Um, uh, as a city, uh, as a local community, and, and make sure that uh, uh, that we're really, really going to see uh, uh, the best benefit that we can out of this incredible opportunity that we've got coming.
0: The year has been dominated by discussions of net zero targets and climate change almost every day in the media again. Ipswich is going to be part of the hydrogen industry with the announcement that Aussie tech company Lavo... We'll partner with the Queensland Government to build a facility next year. Big announcement this week. This is in your patch, Sharice Mullen. Where exactly will the plant be built?
1: I know, it's a really exciting announcement. It's one we've been working on for a little while. So it was fantastic to get the Treasurer and Minister for Trade and Investment, Cameron Dick, and the Minister for Energy, Renewables and Hydrogen, Mick Brenny, out for the announcement yesterday. Uh, so the plant will be built around Augustine Heights. We've got a growing light industrial area there, and uh, we're looking to get that underway with construction, hopefully, to begin early next year.
0: What will it be manufacturing precisely?
1: So LAVO is actually uh, creating the world's first hydrogen energy storage system. So effectively a battery system for homes and businesses. And it's a a huge thing. Um, But the facility itself will be creating the hydrogen fuel cells for these systems. So really safe, um, but the kind of systems that we will need to to power these incredible um, batteries.
0: Why has the government chipped in dollars on this one and how much has been contributed to the project?
1: Uh, so the overall project uh, for the facility is $15 million. That's the cost of the project. And we obviously want to develop and uh, a competitive hydrogen industry right here in, a, in, a, in Queensland. I mean, uh, everyone is talking hydrogen and we want to be right at the front and forefront of that. It is the future. And by supporting innovation and like this, but also unlocking some of that private investment, I think is really smart. And I think it's the way we need to be doing it. Uh, in terms of the funding agreement, well, obviously, I can't talk about that because it is confidential in nature, um, but um, but I'm thrilled, thrilled that Lavo is coming to our community. It's going to create 200 construction jobs just in building the facility, another close to 170 manufacturing jobs, and then we're also in discussions with Lavo about some further work as well that we might look at in the community. So potentially up to 500 jobs created wow. in the hydrogen industry here.
0: Lance McCallum, in your role as Assistant Minister for Hydrogen Development, what does the future hold for Ipswich, but more broadly Queensland?
2: Look, Alan, um, what renewable hydrogen uh, means uh, for Ipswich in Queensland is more jobs in more industries. Um, in addition to uh, the, uh, the Lavo uh, manufacturing uh, facility uh, in Springfield, um, in this year's budget, we announced uh, a $1.5 million uh, commitment for a, a feasibility study for Swanbank power station um, uh, in my patch to uh, look at blending uh, renewable hydrogen uh, into the existing gas-fired power station, uh, which will obviously uh, help uh, reduce its emissions. We're also looking at uh, uh, building a solar farm on site, um, an industrial size, uh, a renewable hydrogen refueling uh, facility uh, there. So this is an incredible uh, opportunity uh, for our local community and indeed uh, for uh, the rest of Queensland. When you consider that uh, a little over two years ago, uh, we launched the Queensland Hydrogen Strategy, and with that was a $15 million commitment for some uh, pilot projects. Fast forward to today, and we've got well over 30 projects, a $2 billion renewable energy and hydrogen jobs fund And over 25 million dollars for a hydrogen industry development fund and 145 million dollars for Queensland renewable energy zones. Just yesterday there was a, a national report which found that Queensland has had the biggest decrease in electricity prices across the nation which is due to our investment in renewables bringing down the power prices and that's going to continue uh, for uh, the next three years. So we've got the cheapest uh, uh, power prices, thanks to uh, our commitment uh, to renewable energy and renewable energy that's used to split uh, water, hydrogen and oxygen, and you capture that oxygen gas, and then you can transport it. Uh, it's it's just incredible. Uh, we've got other domestic uh, applications Uh, here in Queensland for um, transport. We've got five hydrogen fuel cell cars uh, that have joined uh, our uh, Queensland government fleet. And we've also got a uh, blending project where we're blending renewable hydrogen in with the domestic gas supply uh, to homes uh, and businesses up in Gladstone. So there's heaps happening.
0: And that's where we'll wrap up this first Zoom conference call with Jennifer Howard, Cherise Mullen and Lance McCallum. Thank you for joining Ipswich today.
3: Thanks, Alan. Thanks so much. Alan.
2: Thanks very much, Alan, and thank you to your listeners.
0: Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswitchtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from Smart Speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.